You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris. We must start this show by paying respect to Atiana Jefferson, who was recently killed in her home by a white police officer in Fort Worth, Texas. If you don't know black people out there, we, we need to be aware even harder. It ain't over. Texas is still Texas. The South is still South. America is still America. And we got to keep our head on a swivel. Be careful out there, man. Um, this lady was doing nothing wrong. She was just in her home investigating a noise she heard. And she was shot by a police officer. And um, to the neighbor who had to call the police because you investigated something wrong, man, you know what? The police should protect and serve, and we should not expect them to kill a woman in the home. If anything, you expect them to come and make the situation more secure. So that's not on you that they came and did that. But I do want to say to the community out there of black people and people who love black people, we need to get back to the time where in a community we can look out for each other interact with each other, call each other, police each other, police the community, protect each other. We have to get back to that because we're showing, we're calling the police to protect our loved ones and neighbors and family and kin. And all these things are going wrong where the innocent people are being killed. So remember, this is still America. Look, the rest of the world will make sure they cover what's happening with Trump and politics, earthquakes and fires and PG&E and all that crazy stuff that's happening. The rest of the world will cover sports. But I want to make sure in this show we get to cover the issues related to black people around the world and here in the States. Going back to what happened with Atiana Jefferson, this woman was shot in her home because a neighbor thought, saw the door was open. And he called the police to get support. Now, in my mind, that should mean at least the police will come through and do a safety check. But a lot of black folks I know, they was like, dang, man, he shouldn't have called the police because they kill us as soon as they see us. And when you look at the video on the body cam of the police officer, that's really what happened. And so I think I'm more passionate about this topic because I'm, I'm sitting here with my daughter doing this podcast. And I'm like, dang, that could be her. I think of my wife. Man, that could be her. That could be my sister. That could be my mom, my cousin, my friend, my neighbor, my coworker. The list goes on. That could just be any random black person in the world. A cop shows up and peel, peel your cap. And so as black people, we have to continue to keep the names of people like Atiana Jefferson alive. Don't let people forget her story. Yeah, the police officer was charged with murder, and it was good that he resigned. And it was good that the police chief said that he would fire the person because what he did was un- was just it was just not what's up. It's just not what's up. And I'm glad people are re- having these body cameras on so we can really see for ourselves what happened. And um, let's not forget that 30 miles up the road in the Dallas area, a white officer was just convicted for killing a black man in his own home. And then after the trial, the black witness was murdered. These things are not a coincidence. This is what's up. This is what's happening in America um, to black people. And it's been happening for a long time. So we have to continue to keep our eyes on what's really happening and support one another. And don't let our issues go silent. 
We'll get to other issues that's happening with um, black American around the world in general on this show. Today, I will take some time to talk about um, the 89 earthquake 30 years later. I remember it as a child living in West Oakland at the time, getting ready to watch the World Series. And um, I'll give you my story about my memories related to the 89 earthquake. We'll cover the NBA. We'll get a preview of the Western Conference And today I'll give some good uh, education on black psychology. Remember, we're jumping back into the book, Life from Ancient Africa, written by Naeem Akbar. We'll also get a guest appearance from my wife, Narissa Harris, from the Walk a Day in My Culture podcast, who also has a newsletter, Walk a Day in My Culture, and is doing all these amazing things in the community and in the field of mental health on culture awareness and broadening her clinical scope and today she'll be in today to chop some game and talk about some of her upcoming work and of course i have to ask her about some of these current issues that are going on in black america and today to close the show we will go back into this achievement gap with african-american students this is something that's dear to my heart for the work that i do in the school as a school psychologist and so if you remember A few weeks ago, we talked about the achievement gap in black students. And today we'll look back in at those five issues that the author felt led to the achievement gap in black students. So I can't wait to go over that and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast. On the Black Male Therapist Podcast, we want to pay respect to Maryland Representative Elijah E. Cummings, who died earlier this week from health complications that he's been um, dealing with for a while. He was 68. We want to honor those trailblazers and people like Elijah Cummings because there are far and few in between people like him. He was the son of a sharecropper who rose to become a civil rights champion and the chairman of one of the U.S. House committees leading an impeachment inquiry on President Donald Trump. He was one of the great speakers for his majority black poor district in Baltimore. He um, was also in a committee that was leading an investigation on President Trump's dealings, including probes in 2019 into Trump's family members serving at the White House. He um, came face to face with Trump on some issues. Trump criticized that this man's district is being roaded and infested mess that no human being would want to live. And, um, Cummings didn't back down and he he wasn't going to back down to these hateful comments by the president and he really he really stood up to Trump he said those in the highest levels of government must stop invoking fear using racist language and encouraging reprehensible behavior yeah he was a beast and he will be missed. 
I read an article that Nancy Pelosi said that he was our North Star. So, one thing I could say that flags were ordered to be flown at half staff through Friday to honor Cummings. And um, he was definitely respected by those who worked with him. And I know people from his district are going to miss him. So rest in peace. Ride in paradise to Mr. Cummings. So today we're joined by my wife and writer and podcast fellow podcast what do you say podcast maker Narissa Harris from the walk a day in my culture podcast and she's also the author of the walk a day in my culture newsletter how are you doing I'm good thank you husband for that introduction hey good to have you on the show I'm excited for you and your show thank you for having me I don't hear Faith in the background is she okay she's good all right, so I know that um, your recent newsletter, you talk about police brutality and hypervigilance. And in this season, we've been seeing more and more of this produce police brutality and deaths. Like, um, and then in Fort Worth, Dallas, Atiana Jefferson was just killed in her own home. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on these things? Man, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I think some of the stuff that I just said in the newsletter, um, because, you know, this is the second time I've written about this topic. So this was part two. And this time around, I feel like this stuff continues to happen and we can't heal as a community um, for the black community. And we also need to try and continue to bring awareness to this issue regardless of how painful it is and so but i think my big thing is that we just can't heal um from these things because they keep happening and i didn't say it in the newsletter but one thing that came to mind is i just feel like sometimes people in america particularly value the lives of animals more than they do black people you see things like years ago Michael Vick got this big conviction for not even killing an animal and not saying it was right but you know dog fighting whereas a cop can kill somebody and they don't even get charged you know they get released on bail um and so you know these things continue to happen where people are charged these serious crimes for animal cruelty but what about the cruelty of black people so I just think it's unfortunate that these things continue to happen I think it's unfortunate that these cops can just continue to kill us without any repercussions Um, and even though people are being charged with murder like I mentioned in my newsletter yesterday a 10 year sentence um, for the man that was killed in his home by the white cop the lady only got 10 years That's a slap in the face to the black community um, to only get 10 years for murdering someone. So I just think it's a disgrace what's happening in our society. Yeah. And, you know, the crazy thing is this stuff has been happening 
forever. One, one thing that's different is that at least some of these police are being charged with murder or charged with crimes. But like you said, their sentences are like slapping the face. I think um, even data back to when Oscar Grant was killed. I think yes. he got, what he got like two years or mm-hmm. halfway house or anchor monitor or something. Yeah. Executing a man in front of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hey, what do you think about the neighbor um, who called the cops? I know when I told you right when it happened, you was like, dang, you shouldn't have called the cops. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think about that? Man, I feel bad for him because it seems like he was really trying to look out for his neighbor. But it just it just went all bad and I like yeah you're right I kind of was like he should have never called the cops because I feel like that could just turn into them having a reason so to speak to my saying there was a reason to kill Tiana definitely not saying that I don't want the listeners to think that but it almost gives the cops like an out well this person called the police and you know they said that they was concerned and it's kind of like, man, maybe he should have just went and checked on the neighbor or like, like me and you had said when we were talking, like texted her or something, you know, with us, we got our neighbor's information. So we'll just kind of like call him or text him and see if everything is okay. But I think that's the unfortunate thing with us for black people. Like the first thought is like, man, you shouldn't even call the police. So it's like, who is gonna protect us? Who do we call? when we need protection because we sure don't want to call the police so yeah yeah but yeah I'm I'm just at a loss for words honestly for this whole situation yeah and I thank you for coming on the show to really give your thoughts and opinions on what's happening with um, black people around the world and um, really this issue of police brutality in general but I know you you have an upcoming training that you're doing. And from what I understand, it's all online, baby. I heard you going Debbie Digital on them. Tell, yeah. me about, um, tell me about this new training you got coming. Yes. So I finally am going to do a training online. Um, for people that know me or follow my work, I try to do like a training a year. Um and the last training I did, which was working with the African-American community, um, I didn't do it online. And I got some questions um, on Instagram asking if this would be available online because people actually wanted to attend, but they don't live in the Bay Area um, or it just might have been inconvenient for them to travel to the Richmond area. So it's online now. And it is on December the 6th, uh, which is a Saturday from 10 to 12. And this workshop is about um, working from a cultural lens. And so it's really going to kind of help people um, that work with people of color to know how to work with like your coworkers, your colleagues, even your clients from a cultural lens. And so I've kind of been promoting or kind of having a little kind of mini slogan saying it doesn't matter if you are in private practice or if you are the director of a nonprofit agency this workshop can be for anybody um 
because we all need to know how to kind of continue to work with others from a cultural lens. And it's not just for white people. I kind of feel like that is the misconception, you know, like, well, if I'm white and I work with people of color, then I need to take this workshop. If you black and you work with black people, you need to take this workshop because not all black people are the same and you still need to have a cultural lens when working with your own people. Um, if you are for the Latino population working with an Asian, you know, client or colleague, you need to be able to be culturally aware with how you're working with them, what you're bringing into the room, how your own culture can spill into their culture. And so that's what we're going to really dive into on the six. Um, so people can go to my website and register for the workshop. My website is uh, Bloom Into Your Best Self, Bloom Like a Flower. Um, and then just go under the register for a workshop or training um, tab and sign up. Okay. Well, thank you, Mrs. Harris, for coming on the show and giving us this great feedback. I Hey, I can't wait for the training. I'm going to log in and check it out also. Um, yes. You really did your thing on your show with me today. I feel like a rapper that had J. Cole or Eminem or Kendrick <laughs> Lamar do a guest verse on their song and you come on and gas them. And so <laughs> I almost need to go back and redo my verse because you came so hard on my show. Thanks for showing me up. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. You're the sweetest. I appreciate you, husband. Hey, and so, hey, and when you get a chance, why don't you send over a 30-second little promo for your training? And if you want, I'll I'll play it um, on upcoming shows leading up to the training. That's extra promo for my appreciation for you coming on my show, being a guest, um, a guest artist or a guest speaker, whatever we want to call it. Sounds like a plan. I shall do that. All right. Okay, guys, check her out. Narissa Harris, she's doing her thing on the Walk a Day of My Culture podcast and the Walk a Day of My Culture newsletter. And follow her on Instagram and check her out because she's doing her thing. You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast. Hey, this is Art Harris, the Black Male Therapist on the Black Male Therapist Podcast. Are you looking for a way to promo your business or your brand or idea, even a song? Why don't you hit me up and get some promo right here on the show? On this podcast, you have an audience of people all over the country who listen to podcasts who would love to hear about your idea business or brand so why don't you hit me up you could go on my instagram at blackmail therapist follow me or send me a message about what you're trying to promo we'll go over packages or you could call on to the show right on the anchor fm website you can actually send me a message to this show and we can go from there i look forward to helping you get to where you want to be This portion of the show is sponsored by Robin Hood. You can go to infight.robinhood.com backslash Arthur 447 for a chance to get a free stock up to $500 just for signing up. You should do it. Get invested. Get in the game. Don't get left behind because you're afraid to invest. Start today.
want to talk about the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. In case you don't know, on October 17th at 5.04, we had the 30-year anniversary of this massive earthquake. A lot of my listeners weren't alive at that time, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I want to say I was like eight years old. And um, let's see. I really remember that day like it was yesterday because I was at Hoover Elementary School in the third grade. It was after school and I just finally mastered how to do those little flips off the bars. I think you call them cherry drops and stuff like that. And it was a good day after school. Usually after school at Hoover, you had to keep your head on a swivel because you had the older cats coming from foster middle school or just little baby kids in general coming up always wanted to try you and so on that day it was all good i remember having the playground almost to myself out there practicing on the bars and just chilling and then i realized oh it's time to go home because the baseball game the world series with the a's and the giants were coming was coming on that day so i rushed home and I made my um, little fried, you know, bologna sandwich. I think it was ham. Actually, it was salami. I, I ripped the little plastic off the edge of that salami and I put it in that pan to sizzle. And I turned that little TV on in the kitchen. You remember those little tube TVs? We had a cool one in the kitchen. My older brother was passed out on a couch. He was a middle school student at that age it's no telling what made him so tired and i don't even know where my little brother um was and my sister i I think she was home also now that i think about it but my mom she she wasn't back from her work yet and so i'm watching the game then all of a sudden that house started rattling shaking and we lived right off on 34th and market street and anybody who knows those areas those houses right there are big kind of old and that house was shaking and rocking it seemed like it lasted forever and um it was a 7.2 on the richter scale that was a heavy earthquake it killed 63 people injured almost 4,000 people. It split the Bay Bridge in half. I remember later watching on the news of the um, Bay Bridge and it was split in half. And for whatever reason, somebody tried to jump to the other side in their car. And I, I just wondered why, why did that person think to do that? Was it suicide or was, or was it just that crisis in the moment, that traumatized lack of thinking that some people have? And um, it was crazy. And my upcoming book, um, when I, it's like a, a book that's not released yet. So I'm not even going to give you guys the title yet. It's, it's coming soon. I'll promote it when it's time. But in my book, in, in one of the chapters, I talk about part of my childhood. And in that section, I talk about the 89 quake. And I describe West Oakland at that time, really Oakland at that time, being like a zombie apocalypse. It was crazy. Once those lights went dark for all those days, Oakland, I don't think, ever recovered from the 89 earthquake. That that thing rocked the whole city it was so bad we had to go to east oakland to um have a stable place to be until everything got put on so you know it's bad if we had to leave west oakland to go to east oakland just because it was safer for the family so 
So yeah, that's my take on the 89 Loma Prieta earthquake. Why don't you call in and tell me your story or hit me up on Instagram at Black Male Therapist and leave a comment. Tell me tell me how was the 89 earthquake for you? That to me was the biggest earthquake that I have ever experienced. And um I've I've been through hurricanes. I've been through fires. I've been through all types of crazy stuff. But that 89 earthquake may be the biggest natural disaster that I ever witnessed. And so um, I'm just happy to be alive. I remember the Cypress Freeway collapsing and literally all those people dying on the freeway. It was it was horrible. And um, it's amazing to still be here 30 years later to tell this story. We haven't had one like it since. I know the other day. We had a smaller earthquake, I think it was like 4.7, and that rocked the house. And it was just enough to remind us um, how crazy that 89 earthquake was. Because if that was a 4.7 rocking the house, imagine how that 7.2 felt. If you don't remember, it, it, it was crazy. So, yeah, that's my take again on the 89 Loma Prieta earthquake. And um, we'll get on with the show. So it's time for me to give my predictions for the NBA Western Conference as we preview the upcoming NBA season. Next week, we'll give an in-depth look at the Golden State Warriors. But today, I'll try to be unbiased as I go through the NBA Western Conference, just like we made predictions for the Eastern Conference last week. So let's go. Number one, I must admit that um, I am a Golden State Warrior fan. So this is hard for me acknowledging that I don't think we'll be the number one team in terms of records this year. So with Clay Thompson being injured and we have some a lot of new young players, it's going to be harder for us to really dominate the West. But I think we're still going to be a really good team because we still have the best point guard in the NBA and probably the best player in the NBA and Stephen Curry with arguably the best defensive player in the year with Draymond Green. But still, even with all that in the addition of D'Angelo Russell, I see us falling really in the middle of the pack um, this year. And so hopefully when Clay comes back, we'll rise up higher. But I'll start us off in the middle of the pack, probably around four or five. So let's see how we fall. So number one, I think the Denver Nuggets will have the best record in the Western Conference this year. Last year, they were the, they had the number two record, and they're only going to be better. They're, they're a really good team. They have Jokic and a few other players. The Joker's dope, and I think Denver is really going to, again, show their dominance in the Western Conference. Number two, I will say um, people are sleeping on the Portland Trailblazers. Last year, they're a really good team. The thing is with them, they get hot late, but... Once it's game time, it's game time. And so I have to admit, the Portland Trailblazers look like another team just like Denver that's coming back with many of their key pieces and adding a couple few pieces here and there. The Portland Trailblazers are going to come back really good. So I look at them to be number two. Number three will be an L.A. team. And no, I do not think it's the Lakers. I think the Clippers with 
um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and that coach Doc Rivers and all those um, real tough. What's the term for those tough scrappy? Yeah, scrappy players. I think they're going to push their way and bully people around and get to that number three seed in the West. Then we have the Houston Rockets, who you, you can't sleep on the Rockets, even though the Warriors always kind of put them out that misery in the playoffs in the regular season. And for the rest of the league, the Rockets are a problem. And now they gave even more fire to that group of guys adding in Westbrook and they are going to kick some serious butt. So I see the Houston Rockets as being the fourth seed in the West. Then at number five, I do think um, I do think the Lakers will be right there with um, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Wow, I put the Lakers over the Warriors. I can't believe I just did this, but it's true. I don't I don't think the Lakers are going to dominate like everybody think, but I think they'll be battling with the Warriors for that fifth spot. And I have the Warriors right behind the Lakers right there at the sixth seed, if not the fifth. I think it's going to be a real close race between the Warriors and the Lakers. But Houston, you're on notice because once Clay comes back, I could really see Houston and L.A. battling for the fourth, fifth, and sixth spot in the playoffs. And right behind them, we'll have the Utah Jazz coming in and... They're a good team. They added um, who they add the point guard Mike Conley. Yeah, Mike Conley, he ain't no punk. And so adding him along with Gobert and Mitchell and Bogdanovich, hey, they they are going to go hard. So I do see Utah right there in that battle in the thick of things with Houston and the Lakers and Golden State. It's like the middle of the pack in the Western Conference, at least in the regular season. And the eighth seed, I see San Antonio Spurs. They could shock us all and pop all the way to the top. But as we see, the Spurs are still the Spurs, but they they don't have that same fear that they used to have. But they're still the Spurs. So I see them right there rounding off the playoff, um, the playoff standings for the Western Conference. Of course, we have to let the season play out like it needs to play out we got to look at the new rookie zion you know i know he's going to be injured for the first couple of weeks this season so we'll see how it plays out with him dallas they got luca and porzingis and boban and they might be um one of the favorite teams from eastern europe but how are they going to do um in the nba western conference this year the sacramento kings hey that's one of my dark horse teams i'm going to really enjoy watching these guys go at it you got buddy hills like you gotta pay me man and De'Aaron fox and then we got bagley and borms and deadman up front i think the kings are going to be exciting but i don't see them as a playoff team the oklahoma city thunder <laughs> Is CP3 even still with the team? I mean, what, what what's happening there? That, that, that organization is a joke. How you lose Kevin Durant, Harden, and Westbrook? You had all three of them at the same time. With Ibaka, what's wrong with you? Oklahoma City, you, you're trash. You're, you're like one of the worst organizations in the NBA. Minnesota Timberwolves, Timberwolves you got the big cat. And a lot of young players around them. I like Minnesota. I love playing with them on NBA 2K. But 
I don't think they really will be able to get over the hump and make it to the playoffs this year. It's just too deep in the West, and everybody can't win, man. Just like my guy at the gym be saying, shout out to 24-Hour Fitness in Richmond. Hey, man, everybody can't win. Somebody got to lose. Everybody can't win. But we can enjoy the storylines. We can enjoy watching Ja Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. And how will he do um, with his team being the point guard out there in the Western Conference? I'd love to watch him do his thing with Zion being hurt. Ja might step into that role as being the leading rookie for Rookie of the Year. We also got the Phoenix Suns, who added Ricky Rubio to help out with Booker and Aiden. And I think they'll be exciting, but I do not think they're going to be a playoff team. And that is the preview of the NBA Western Conference. So my guess for who will come out the West is still too early to tell. Out the gate, I really do think Denver is going to have the number one record and Portland is going to really do good also and so we'll have to see how things play off play out with these um duos as we get into the playoffs because that's when we'll see how these new trades and new signings and all these new packages that we have in the west are really playing out we'll get to see all the teams at full strength once we get to may and so my gut is telling me that the splash brothers will still reign supreme in the west but that's really all dependent on how healthy Clay Thompson is when he comes back, how healthy Steph is after grinding out the season without him, how well D'Lo is fitting in with the rest of the Warrior squad, and how Draymond Green is looking. Hopefully he doesn't get too many technicals and get suspended dealing with the frustration of these rookies on his team, but um, I can't wait to see. And next week, we'll talk about the Warriors even more deeper, and that's our preview for the Western Conference for the NBA. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and jump into this um book life from ancient africa last week we started talking about this book with naeem akbar and today we'll jump back into the first chapter looking at um black psychology back in ancient kemet so we're looking at comedic principles of psychology today and you're going to enjoy this piece so we're going to take a quick break then jump back into the show You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris. So welcome back to the show. In this segment, we'll dive into the book, Life from Ancient Africa. We'll look at um, the writings from the author Naeem Akbar as he talks about psychology and really the psychology and philosophy coming from ancient Kemet. I know in the last section of the show, we had our sports report and I gave a preview of the upcoming NBA season. I know I didn't really talk about football this week in the NFL. We'll get back to seeing what's happening with the NFL next week. It was some injuries this week with um, Patrick Mahomes. And we need to really see what's going to happen, how long he's going to be out and really see how the landscape of the NFL has changed with these injuries to Patrick Mahomes. And uh, we'll look to see really what's happening with the rest of the NFL. It's still too early to tell right now, of course. The Patriots are looking like the number one team and the Niners are what five and oh or six and oh, but how long would that last? I'm I'm not trying to be a Niner hater here, but every team they play, I think really sucks. And they just get, keep getting lucky. But they're winning, so 
they're right where they need to be. And I can't lie, they do have arguably the best defensive front in the NFL. But I'm not going to spend another second talking about the 49ers today. I'm going to jump into this book, Life from Ancient Africa. And um, in this chapter, we're talking about comedic origins of psychology. And I'm going to read a little and talk a little. So I'm going to read um, in this chapter, it says the significance of such comedic accomplishments transcend race. Yet there have been imposters who have tried throughout history to exclude the black presence. The time has come for us to admit and appreciate the obvious that in Africa, the people are African. Therefore, the wisdom of Africa is naturally the wisdom of African people, black people. The efforts to rediscover the ancient comedic understanding of reality is no less than the modern African's quest for redemption, redemption, restoration, resurrection, and reestablishment of order. Knowledge is the pathway to this order. So the author goes on to break down the differences between psychology and Western philosophy versus um, psychology from ancient Kemet. One part it really says that really shows the difference. It says in the comedic realm, one cannot make distinctions between psychology, physics, chemistry, mathematics, art, religion and philosophy. Such divisions are meaningless in the comedic conception of a universe where everything was related to everything else. Such holistic understanding is completely to counter to the analytical fragmentation which characterizes the Western approach to understanding. It goes on to say consciousness or awareness it's the ultimate goal in the comedic concept of mind. The dictum, man know thyself, is the fundamental principle of psychology of Kemet. We also find that self-knowledge then is the basis of all true knowledge. The mastery of passions was required as the first step, the taming of the wild inner beast, putting the inner beast under the control of the higher being so as i hear this and i read this again i think of the sphinx when you think of ancient egypt or all of the mysteries of the world including the pyramids and the sphinx that comes from egypt what is the sphinx it's a body of an animal with a human head on top and as we read right here, we're putting two and two together. And it means that, look, from the book, passions run wild in the psyche when left untamed. When passions are allowed to rule, there is no opportunity for the higher powers, higher powers to gain control. The passionate lower nature, therefore, must be rendered dormant in order to permit the higher powers to reign. This is the meaning of the very popular image of the Sphinx in the comedic symbolism. So today in this little book, Life from Ancient Africa, we broke down the meaning of the Sphinx. 
which is basically that lower nature of man is so animalistic and passionate and primal and that we have to maintain and manage this through our higher order in our brain and through knowing thyself and self-knowledge we will become masters of ourself so man know thyself was more than a theoretical posture it was an invitation to fuse one mind as the stage on which this divine drama repeats itself again and again and so I want to end with that today as we cover this book, Life from Ancient Africa. I think these concepts are so powerful that I really want to take time to break it down. There's still a little bit to go in this chapter. Next week, we'll talk about um, the dimensions of the soul from ancient comedic philosophy. You're listening to the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris. This section of the show is sponsored by the Acorns app. Start investing today. Get $5 when you use my invite link. Acorns.com backslash invite backslash 48P9Z2. Start today. Hey, if you're really trying to get real about improving your financial literacy and taking your money to the next level, that's not going to happen stacking your chips under your mattress or in your regular savings account. You need to get creative on how you start gathering funds to invest. And I think Acorns is a great way to start. Don't believe me? Try it for yourself and you still get $5. So check it out. So today we're talking about the achievement gap in African-American students and when doing this today, we're going to look at the five um, theories of why the achievement gap happens. In previous shows, we talked about the achievement gap and the works from Dr. Jawanza Kajufu in his book and video presentation in 1988, To Be Popular and To Be Smart, The Black Peer Group. And in that work, he named the five main factors of his of this achievement gap, which were teacher expectations, parental involvement, self-esteem, curriculum relevance, and learning styles, and most importantly, peer influence. So from working in the schools in the past, what, how long have I been working in the schools as a school psychologist? Wow, let's see. I started in 2005 in my graduate program, and since then, up until now, I have been working in the schools. Um, so do the math. Wow, that's almost 15 years. No way. No way have I been doing this work this long. That's crazy. I'm too young. But um, anyway, so in my past 15 years, just just the 15 years working in the schools, um, we go even further because um, in undergrad, I worked as an aftercare counselor working with young people integrated from the jail system back into the school system so if we include that that's wow 2004 2003 that's about 17 years something like that you could do the math of course um it doesn't really matter the main thing is i have experience with working with people especially black people that have been struggling in schools and i want to look at these five areas and see how they relate to what I've seen in the past 13 or 15 years, however you want to call it. So 
The first one, teacher expectations. This is one that is definitely relevant. I've seen teachers have really low expectations of our black students, even starting on the elementary level. Um, I've heard teachers say terms about kids that are just um, apprehensible um, when saying, hey, how's the student doing in your class? I've heard a teacher say, hey, she's just a little B, B meaning female dog, and she probably gets it from her dog. She just is just, ugh. So these these things are things that teachers really do say about some of our black students. Um, I heard them say, ah, they they just don't know how to act. I'm I'm really struggling with our students. It's always our black kids getting sent to the office. And these aren't things just coming from white people. These are things that are coming from all people that are working with our kids. And so in response to that, I don't think many teachers have high expectations of black students based off their history with black students or their perceptions of us in the community. And so that's one thing that I really think is true to lower expectations for some of our students with a lot of our teachers. It's really one of the reasons that we see this um, achievement gap. I, I can talk from personal experience from being in an undergraduate program in psychology at the University of West Florida my academic advisor was a um, professor for one of my psychology classes, organizational psychology. And I was talking to him. Yeah, when I'm done here, I plan on going into graduate school to become a school psychologist. And he said, school psychologist. He said, maybe you should focus on being a teacher. You really don't have what it takes academically to go to that next level of graduate school. Um and that stuck with me. I didn't believe it. I knew this guy was a joke because I didn't even need a book to pass his class. In fact, I didn't even need to read his book to pass the class. So that's how much of a joke his class was. But this was my academic advisor in college talking to one of the best students on campus. So if they feel that way about me, imagine how they feel about these elementary middle school students who can't sit down. So teacher expectations are definitely a major factor in the academic achievement gap. Let's look at the second point. Self, no, parental involvement. Parental involvement, A, in our communities, let's face it, a lot of our parents are working hard, maybe two jobs, and sometimes, you know, rely on the school heavily to teach our kids because they don't have time to come or maybe the energy. And other, in, in many situations, we do have single parents or grandparents even raising our kids who may not have the time, ability, energy, or uh, management style to really come into the school and be involved with the learning. They may sit the kid down to do the homework. They may try to help with the homework, but parental involvement is more than just helping your kid with the homework. I think it's interacting with the teachers, being aware of what's happening with their grades, going to parent-teacher conferences, coming to the school, really being a factor in your child's life in the school world. It doesn't stop once you let them into the school gates, parental involvement is a big factor. We see um, a lot of other cultures, their their families never leave the campus. I work 
in many different places where it's a high Hispanic population. And those mothers and fathers are there with them kids for a lot of the day. They might not be sitting right next to them, but they're a factor on the campus. And with that being said, they know what's happening with these kids and the students and oftentimes are there to deal with issues as they come up and they are um, able to have conversations with the students sometimes it needs a needs a translator when talking to the teacher but they're there and available and so i want to say that to our black parents if you really want to see your child succeed you need to be involved in their school it can really help deal with those lack of expectations from the teachers if we come correct and are more involved in our students lives so what's the third one self-esteem self-esteem Imagine if your teacher has low expectations and your parent doesn't or can't help you with your work. How do you feel about your ability to succeed in school? How do you feel about your ability to do the work, especially if you've been told over and over again, you're going to die when you turn 22 or you just no good or you see all these images of yourself negatively being portrayed in the media. Most kids never heard of this life from ancient Africa that I talked about in my previous segment. So they have no understanding that knowledge and humanity and art and expressiveness and style and culture is really a main part of being black. They don't really understand the knowledge that their ancestors really created and developed. All they told us that we were slaves and we were free. And so now we just going to end up going to jail or getting on drugs. So you got to really push these kids and help them know who they are so they can improve their self-esteem. The fourth one is learning styles and coat and curriculum relevance so imagine if you're a young kid that's playing around that's dancing that's drumming that's in the music and the style and to put it on a show into all these things that are really expressive in nature and then you're forced to sit in your seat all day and take a pencil to write down your thoughts and words you may struggle that might not be really your learning style and the curriculum never is really related to what we're going through I don't care about Gulliver's Travels or that little pig on the farm that could write. You know, these things are really not connected to the black experience. So the curriculum and our learning styles just don't match. And so that's another reason we see the achievement gap. The best kids can really sit down in their seat, listen, read, and talk about the stuff that has no relevance to us. So we need to make sure there's doing more. We need to make sure there's more books and um, on topics that are relevant to us. I have been seeing the middle schools and high schools and even elementary schools doing a better job of this lately. I've been seeing books that are more culturally diverse and themes and practices that have more um, connection to the people. Like I've been seeing more circles being done in class. I've been seeing more um, dance and art being involved in curriculum. And so those are good things that are going to help engage our students. But five, the most important piece from the work was peer influence. 
our black kids struggle with letting each other shine and go to that next level academically. I work with kids right now. I mean, right now, like currently um, in private practice and in the school setting who are really good students academically can teach the class. But as soon as they get up to the front of the class and start showing their best, other people sneak around and start finding ways to plot and bring them down. These kids are being called sissies. They're being beat up. They're getting their stuff written on. They're being punked. They're being roasted. They're being pulled down by their black peer group. And why? Because people don't see blacks as being smart. They see when blacks are trying to be smart, they're trying to act white. I remember when I was in the Navy, I had many friends from all over the place. And they'd be like, man, y'all boys from California talk white, man. And I was thinking, dang, we talk white? I thought we were just expressing ourselves. What does talk white mean? Because I articulate. And so people don't really correlate expression and intelligence and articulation and being good students as a black thing. And that's really related to in slavery. They told you you can't read or write. They beat it in you that it was bad. That's for white people. And so these are really conditions left over from slavery that this inferiority complex where we're not supposed to be intelligent. We're not supposed to be articulate. We're not supposed to be able to write and learn and do math when actually um, some of the work that I'm studying suggests that we were the originators of some of these mathematics and science and expressing through written language. So we have to do a better job of helping the peers not pull each other down because of their lack of esteem or lack of ability to do the work or that they don't believe that being smart is a black concept. So thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Black Male Therapist Podcast with your host, Art Harris, licensed marriage and family therapist and school psychologist. You can follow me on Instagram at the Black Male Therapist. It's a great honor to be able to bring this show every week and to interact with you guys online. I look forward to feedback from this show. I want to say a special thanks to my wife, Narissa Harris, for calling in and helping me discuss what's happening with police brutality and what's happening out there in Fort Worth, Texas and in the Dallas area. Black people out there and people who love black people. Yay, we got to keep our head on a swivel. This is still America. We have to make sure We're doing what we need to do to keep safe and make sure those around us are safe. We have to get back to a community that really supports each other. I want to say thank you for listening. Hey, today we covered Life from Ancient Africa from Naeem Akbar. We talked about the achievement gap in school. And we also talked about what's happening with the sports world in terms of what's happening in the NFL and the NBA. Look forward to next week's shows. We'll talk more about issues related to black people. We dive into the book Life from Ancient Africa a little bit further and we'll continue to bring you information that is relevant to the people and hopefully it helps you be a better person, a better clinician, a better whoever you want to be. Until next time, know yourself because self-knowledge is the key.